Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. Sundays, we're on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on KWX and on B93, B97, and on KPUA 670 AM the following Friday. Always, you may get Island Conversations as a podcast wherever you get podcasts or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. County Council District 5 is in what I would call Upper into Lower Puna and is today represented by Council Member Matt Kanealii Kleinfelder. Matt is currently in his first term running for re-election and is going into a runoff in our November 3rd election against Ikaika Rodenhurst. We will also interview Mr. Rodenhurst, but today my guest is Matt Kanealii Kleinfelder. Good morning. Aloha, Matt. Good morning and aloha, Sherry Brackin. It is wonderful to be on your program and mahalo for the opportunity today. Oh, well, thank you very much. Let's get into what you did before county council. I just like to have people learn a little more about you. Where did you grow up? Where's your education? What were your jobs? Things like that. Well, I was born in California and moved here shortly after. I was lucky enough to meet my beautiful wife doing restaurant work. I've since then lived in Curtis Town and raised my children there. I wear many hats. That's the best way to say it. I have been a glass floor. I play ukulele. My wife and I opened um, two restaurants in the past 10 years. Uh, we make our own reliquoid butter. I'm also a journeyman electrician. I worked with a local brick and mortar electrical company, Provision Solar, um, under my mentor. Marco Mangelsdorf for close to 10 years. I've just really been blessed there, you know, to have such a good life and a good, strong, supportive family and to be blessed with so many opportunities. It broadens my perspective when you take on a county council position. I come at it from a very different angle. You know, I've been the worker. I've been in the office. I've seen a lot of different angles. You know, and being a bartender, you get really good at being a customer service oriented individual. So all of that really helps me do my new position, I think, to the utmost. You said you moved here right essentially after you were born. Did you move right to the Big Island? And if so, where'd you go to school? Tell us more about your education. I moved to Hilo, I think it was like 2001. And I attended UH Hilo and HCC. I was pushing hard for like a, an arts degree. But as I got into college, you know, I quickly fell in love with chemistry and marine science. But I had my son in 2005 and then a daughter in 2007. And the reality sets in is that you've got bills to pay and you're an adult. And so I, you know, went into being a bartender and doing management positions here and there and then became an electrical journeyman. So it's just been, you know, one thing after the other. But I think what it is is just life. This is life for me. I've always kind of gone with the flow. I like moving with life. I think my mom used to say, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. You actually pulled papers to run for Hawaii County Mayor before you decided to run again for your position. Did you want to be mayor? Were you planning on running for mayor? I did. I pulled papers for my mayor race. You know, I think I had my council papers pulled already. 
I had been watching, you know, it's my first term in office. And what I've seen uh, was places where I could make improvements. And that's what I saw. So after the meeting in March with the administration regarding, you know, what we are doing about COVID, I was extremely disappointed with the direction that was happening and the leadership. It was after that really intense meeting regarding, you know, what we're doing. Are we going to shut down? People were emailing me. I had county workers calling me and texting me. We were being inundated with phone calls from people, people who were scared. I had left the meeting very frustrated and feeling like I need to do more. And so that afternoon, I was talking with my wife and some of my advisors, and we made the decision, go and pull your papers from there. Shortly after, a few people jumped into the race that were just amazing candidates. And I felt at that point, what was needed more for Puna was for me to maintain my position. Because for so long, you've seen this constant rotation of council members. And every time that happens, you lose the funding that was put aside. You lose the momentum on projects. You lose the knowledge. Because it takes a long time to learn the job. So every time we've rotated a council member, we've lost that momentum for Puna. And so I think it's more important for me to stay in my position, keep serving my district, and I have a responsibility to Puna. And also, before I raise my kids, I know the struggles that people in Puna go through because I face them myself. So my commitment right now is to my district. Maybe sometime in the future we can think about a mayoral race again, but I'm happy to see the candidates move ahead in the mayoral race, but I need to serve my district. What you said, Matt, about it being a really tough job with a lot to learn is so true. You're going to be running on November 3rd against Ikaika Rodenhurst, and there was a third candidate, but the amount of votes that you and Ikaika Rodenhurst got were fairly similar. So I think we need to first look back at your previous year and a half, what you've done. Tell us about a couple of the key things you've done for your district, and then we'll talk about some of the going forward issues, because as you mentioned, those are going to be big. So first, what did you do already that you want to mention that you're proud of? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. Yeah, I wasn't raised to speak about myself. You don't toot your own horn. I think a lot of people feel that way here. People from Hawaii are humble. You don't go out and tell, tell people what you did and boast about what you've done. It's, so learning to be a little bit more political has been difficult for me. But, you know, I appreciate you asking that. You know, when I first came into office, and when, I, when we won the election in 2018, we had been through a hurricane, an earthquake, uh, an eruption, flooding, and then we'd also lost an officer in the line of duty. What I saw is, is kind of my number one project would be police presence in Puna. In my first three months in office, I had discussions with the mayor, with our police chief, and I really just said, look, we have a problem in Puna. We had lost Officer Bronson Kaliloa in the line of duty. We have a shortage of police officers in our district. And through those discussions, I was able to overcome years of budgetary restrictions and increase our Puna police force by 10 positions. This is probably the most tremendous thing that any council member in a decade has been able to do for Puna itself. Other things we've done beyond the disaster recovery or the lava recovery task force, besides deal with a COVID pandemic, because you know, these are huge things that are happening. We were able to build a Curtistown skate park at the, the park in Curtistown. We addressed some kind of long-standing issues with traffic signals, especially the one at the Highway 130 Volcano intersection. I've been a very strong proponent in helping the community address the Pohiki boat ramp. 
you know, hydrogen bus is an interesting one. And I think in about a month, we should see the release of three hydrogen buses to the county. And this all stems from resolutions I put forward in the beginning, you know, asking the county to come up with alternative fuel vehicles for our mass transit agencies. Let me ask a clarifying question on that one. Hydrogen buses, do we have a hydrogen fuel source that will be readily available for the buses all around the island? In Kona, at the Oltec facility, there is a fully functioning hydrogen fueling station there is a trailer that can be used to ship hydrogen from the west to the east side of Hawaii Island. I did so, not know that. I knew about the hydrogen plant at the Natural Energy Lab. So what, they put the hydrogen into a trailer, you said, and they take it over to East Hawaii? Yeah, it's a series of high-pressure tubes that can transport hydrogen from one side of the island to the other. If you're in Kona, you can go and fill it up. But in Hilo, we take the trailer, ship the hydrogen over, and then use it to fuel our buses. And I tell you, Sherry, the most amazing thing that we could do for our kids and for our community is start to show the world that not only are we the most beautiful place in the world to visit, but that we are running our mass transit on hydrogen. When you burn hydrogen, the exhaust is water droplets. I don't think we could do better than that for our kids, for our environment, especially in light of global climate change. Well, to be honest, I'd love to see us actually get a transit system because we pretty much haven't had one. And for the workers who live, for example, in your district or anywhere around the island like Ka'u and they work someday again soon, we hope, at the resorts or they have to do the traveling, that would be great. But I would like to see us get back to actually having transit. I completely agree with you. Mass transit needs to be upgraded. What I've come to learn is that mass transit agencies do not make a profit. It's a public service. What you said about COVID and people going back to work, that's going to be a major challenge because our mass transit agency is actually based on a GE tax revenue. We get a percentage of that. That percentage is applied directly to mass transportation projects. So when we start looking at a post-COVID economy and we're looking at the state being in debt, I know the states have got a $600 million loan in March. But we look at that and you see what kind of an economic hole we're in right now and what it's going to take to climb out. I mean, the reality is that large projects and, you know, especially, unfortunately, in this case, you know, county items like mass transit, they're going to be affected by this. So we have the most need to fulfill mass transit for our people because it helps people get the jobs. But at the same time, there's going to be some restrictions due to the budget going forward into 2021. Well, there's no question about that. And, you know, you mentioned that mass transit can be funded by the general excise tax percent that Hawaii County gets, but that's really brand new. I mean, we've only had that for a short time. It wasn't in good shape prior to COVID, and now I'm hoping we can get it back. You mentioned the 10 police officers. That was in the budget, I think, when you came in. Were they designated for some other district? Is that what was happening, and you were able to get them redirected to... The Pune district? No. So when I walked in the office after speaking to the mayor and the police chief, I was able to, I, I think, convince them. I wrote a resolution to do this as well, which was to increase the Pune police force. And what we saw come in as a budget from the mayor's office was an increase island-wide. I think they actually increased police force by 50 to 60 positions across the island. But I did ensure that the funding stayed in our district this is new funding for 10 new positions in our Pune police force specifically. That's what is so crucial people understand is 
you know, I fought to make sure that we got the funding to get more police because, again, this is the number one concern walking into office in 2018 was how much crime we have. You mentioned COVID-19, and clearly that's going to be a huge issue going forward. And I want to mention to the listeners, we're recording this on Thursday, September 4th. And at this moment, the island has 226 active cases of COVID-19. And I imagine by the time this goes on the air in about 10 days, there will be more. Matt, what does the county council see as their responsibility in demonstrating leadership and helping people behave the way we are told nationally that we need to behave to stem this tide, to wear masks, to stay distant. How can this be changed so that we don't have to completely shut down our island economy again? I'm going to go full circle on this one for you. In April, my wife and I closed Likulehua at Hawaii. We had no choice due to the economic downturn from COVID. We laid off about 50 employees. You know, those 50 employees supported 50 families. So I felt this firsthand. We cannot continue. And when I say we, I mean the state, the state in general, every person. We cannot, we cannot survive doing this open, closed style of reactionary measures to COVID. So as far as what the county council can do, I just brought to the county council um, a resolution to authorize the release for a contact tracing application that goes on your phone. It provides real-time data, completely anonymous and completely voluntary. It allows for citizens to make their own decisions regarding their health. You know, if you look back this week, and this will be broadcasted in about 10 days, I understand that. But if you look back on Monday, Bruce Anderson resigned or retired, however you want to look at it. And then Wednesday, September 2nd, Dr. Robertson, who's the head of contact tracing, took leave. And this tells you that from the top down, from the state leadership to the county council level, we're having a breakdown of communication and leadership. The county council, we need to be extremely proactive. You know, if we want to overcome the virus, if we want to make changes to protect the health and welfare of our citizens, then we have to make proactive decisions. We cannot be reactive to this. We cannot keep opening and closing, you know, writing new rules and erasing old rules, closing beaches. I mean, we need to find some sense of normalcy. It really is every member of government's responsibility or kuleana to protect our citizens and also be very proactive in looking for solutions to COVID. That's the only way we can beat the virus, but it's also the only way that we can start to reopen our economy and get to a point where we're not depending on unemployment and federal money to float. I mean, we, this is a very serious concern. 2021 is going to be an incredibly hard fiscal year. And you know, the county is dependent on real property taxes for the majority of their budget. Any funding coming in from the state is in question right now. I'm scared. We passed the budget this last year by increasing property taxes to second homeowners in residential status, and we were able to make up about a $14 million shortfall in our budget at the county level. I mean, imagine what's going to come next year. This is my concern, and I'm not for raising taxes. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sherry Bracken. Today we're talking with Matt Kanaeli Kleinfelder, who's running for County Council District 5. He's the incumbent. And next week we'll talk with his opponent, Ikaika Rodenhurst. 
On an election-related note, this coming Thursday, the 17th, there will be a mayor-candidate forum with Mitch Roth and Ikaika Marzo. It will air from 5 p.m. until 7 p.m. on Naleo TV, channel 54, and also naleo.tv, and also on the West Hawaii Forum Group Facebook page, facebook.com slash West Hawaii Forum. Before we return to Matt, let's hear a word from our sponsor. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. What exactly can the county council do to help our economy, to help our businesses recover First off, I was very predominant in asking for this, is the individual and business grants from the 80-plus million dollars we had in CARES funding for our county. One thing the government can do is make sure that the funding is there for the businesses to stay open. That's at holomuahawaii.com. This is a grant to a business or an individual to make up for what they've lost due to COVID. Also, county council, we need to be examples for the community, our kuleana. You know, wear a mask, take a picture of yourself, I think the message to everyone right now, above and beyond everything else, is wear your mask, sanitize your hands, stick within your family bubble, use these basic precautionary measures against COVID-19, as well as contact tracing apps, viral tests. You start putting all of these together and this full suite of measures to fight COVID allows the economy to slowly start to pick up. Health over wealth. We have to protect the people of Hawaii first, and then we start working on the economy. Four people passed away at the veterans' home in the last four or five days. This is the result of us not getting on it earlier and being proactive. You mentioned the County of Hawaii Small Business Relief and Recovery Fund, which is called the Holomua Hawaii Program. $22 million. Each business can get up to $10,000. Pahoa Town is half yours and half in the other Puna District, which is under Council Member Ashley Kirkowitz. You talked about these Holomua loans. What have you all done to educate the merchants that this is happening? What else do you have as ideas for how you can get Pahoa Town going? There's a lot of small business in the Puna district, but I know that many of them are centralized in Pahoa Village. There's also downtown Keaau. Give me some thoughts about what specifically you think you can do to get things going. One thing you touched on is how incredibly large District 5 is. Very large, a lot of different personalities. So when it comes to Pahoa, I've been present at a lot of different meetings in Pahoa. I go to the Main Street Pahoa Association meetings. And in speaking to the grant, as soon as I wrote a resolution to make sure that the county was putting aside funding for business grants, not loans, but grants, I made sure that I told everybody about it. I put it out to the Chamber of Commerce, to all the nonprofits, and I put it out on social media. I needed them to know that I, one of the few business owners on the council, understand what's happening. Yes, there was CPP from the Fed. Yes, there was EIDL loans. These are all great, but they were loans. What we are doing is grants. And council members were able to let four parks around the island be available for the use for a farmer's market. So I have 
worked with Kristen Albrecht and Maddie Green, and we're going to be opening a Pahoa Farmer's Market using the Pahoa Regional Park to hold a small but very community-oriented farmer's market. When you start discussing what do we do in a post-COVID-19 world, we get sustainable. This is keeping money from local people going to local vendors for local goods. But yeah, that's one thing that we're doing to help rebuild the economy in Pohoa Town. Like I said before, I'm on the disaster recovery scene for the lava eruption, and I'm also trying to make sure that the community is heard so we can reopen what was the most, I think, economically grossing fishing port on Hawaii Island, even in the state. That's how amazing Poiki was. What is the plan to reopen a boat ramp so the fishing industry can continue? We have been working closely with the community and a lot of these state agencies because the Poiki boat ramp is a state facility. You know, I talked with our administration about making it a county project, but we're told it's not a county priority at this time. That just means that, look, it's a state project. We need to get the funding for it from the state level and then go for the rebuild. We are able to confirm that there is funding available for us that's supposed to be there for maintenance. And this is through the concerted efforts of community members who have ensured that the state is following up on their end. Joy San Buenaventura has been crucial in helping organize all this. They're going to take the funding that was there for maintenance that wasn't used and dredge the canal to see how the replacement of sand will work, which allows people to access the boat ramp, get back in the water, bringing in money back to the community and food. We're talking about sustainable economy again, which using funding that should have been there and, and is there from the beginning. Question back about this contact tracing app that you introduce a lot of non-binding resolutions, which, as you know, don't actually mean anything other than the county council likes something or dislikes something. But clearly, it would be great if we had a contact tracing app. Have you talked with Hawaii County Civil Defense and the local State Department of Health to see if we can implement something like that on this island only? We have introduced a lot of resolutions, and we've done a few bills. And although a resolution is not binding, it does send a clear message, and it carries the weight of the council. And so when a resolution is passed, it sends a very clear message that can be built on later, but it also allows the public to come in and be part of the discussion. I think that's what's so important and missing. We fail to bring in the community in the discussion. We have a meeting. We call it good. Yeah, we talk to the community. We're going to move ahead now. When you have a resolution on the table, it allows two separate readings with the council. And that allows two separate opportunities for the community to come in and weigh in on something. This tracing app is one of a few available. What was important to me is that it's been available for almost three months. The mayor needs to sign off on the release of the app so that Google and Apple can authorize its use for the people of the county. People and businesses are literally dying right now. This is what made me so frustrated that day was that we're more willing to discuss semantics and playing political games than to actually pass something that helps people beat COVID, which is opening our economy and saving life. Well, I get that. But my question is, have you talked with State Department of Health on the Big Island and with Hawaii County Civil Defense to see about the practicality of getting this application? Because from what I read, the developer doesn't really have it fully developed and needs assistance from Google and Apple. But if the Department of Health and Civil Defense are willing to use it, I think it'd be a swell idea. But the question is, what specifically have you done to get them to agree to use it? 
reached out to the mayor's office before the resolution came forward. I've uh, spoken to the medical community. They're in favor of it. Who in the medical about, community has had a chance to look at it and test it? For one, the resolution was available to the public. As soon as it's scanned in the laser station, the agenda becomes public. So anyone and everyone could have viewed that. But I spoke to some of our primary care physicians in Hilo, like my personal doctor, Stefan Harmeling, and I just discussed it with them. You know, there's a lot of people's concerns really revolve around privacy. But what I understood from the makers of the app was that there's a lot of security features built in to protect privacy. We've actually gone ahead and scheduled a meeting with Bay Clinic and some of our medical care providers here on island. We have a meeting with Josh Green, Kai Kahele, and these medical professionals, and myself and Valerie Poindexter, because if the mayor doesn't want to release the app to the people, fine. But I'm going to make sure that we can get this into our medical facilities because any entity can choose to use this app. And furthermore, Kevin Vaccarello has already been beta testing this in Kauai and in Waimanalo. They're already using the app to try and see how it can make a difference. And their nonprofit, Sustain Hawaii, is an amazing nonprofit. They've been in existence since 2003. Their main goal is to uphold and promulgate the Hawaiian people. This is a group of local doctors, people of various backgrounds who come together to do something. And these are guys, you know, what? these are people in the community who just want to see the community get back and reopen. And they're local guys. Right now, people are working and going to school from home. Your district is among those with really limited infrastructure, limited cell service, limited wireless service to be able to even access the Internet services that are needed for kids to go to school and people to work. What needs to be done to improve access to these kinds of services if you think it's a county function? Yeah, so at the beginning of this year, we chose to do distance learning with our children, and we do not have a hard line to our house for cable or a high-speed data connection at all. We use a cellular at home. We got a wireless router from the DOE because we signed up for distance learning, and my children are using that to do their Zoom meetings at school. And I tell you, this is an interesting time for all parents, and I feel for the teachers, the parents, the students, because this is just a brand-new world we're in. When it comes to my district, we have to provide options. And I think you touched on something important, which is, you know, what role does the county play in bettering or offering more services? I know we're working on something called Cellular on Wheels or COWS, which is in conjunction with food outreach, programs and services at specific areas in the community that will broadcast a cellular signal for everyone to pick up and use or a Wi-Fi signal for everyone to pick up and use as well as do all the basics that people need, you know, you know, getting you know access to programs and food, like I said. You should be seeing it in the next month or two. I mean, what also needs to happen is basic infrastructure needs to be put in place. Well, there's some amazing things coming, and I'm not, you know, able to share them right now with you, but there, there's some amazing technology coming forward that I think can help a lot. There's federal funding for fiber optic build-out and high-speed data lines, and different providers are offering more and more services. Puna has been very very substandard in everything, from every aspect of infrastructure. There's, there's really no water in Puna. The roads are a mess because a lot of them are private subdivision roads that the county just will not take over. We're just underserved. That's been something I've been fighting since the beginning is how to better serve our district. Well, it's really kind of a challenge because if you look at the Pune district, it was developed with reasonably priced properties, both raw land and then houses. And one of the reasons was that they didn't put in the infrastructure that most subdivisions do put in. This is the nature of Pune. We've been underserved 
for decades, and I'm here to fix that. I'm not done fixing it. Recently, the county council passed a resolution, again, a non-binding resolution, objecting to putting in the fifth generation of cellular service. Right now, most of the island is served by the fourth generation of cellular service. Given the need, what's the thinking in saying we don't want the fifth generation or 5G, particularly when wireless companies are putting it in? What's the council thinking on that? In 1996, the federal government created the FCC's ability to govern RF emissions. And they created this long list of how the federal and the state and the local municipalities work together in regards to cellular, uh, wireless technology, basically communications in general, 24 years ago. Those standards are still in place today. So the resolution that you're speaking about called for halting the build-out until it is proven safe for the public. And this stems from public concern. In 1996, local municipalities and state authorities were stripped of any power to protect the citizens' health and well-being. So both of these resolutions that have come forward from this council speak to not so much stopping cellular technology, because that is a complete falsism. What is at stake here is public safety. What it comes down to is the effect of different technologies on the environment and on human beings. There is no greater need than connectivity amongst all of our communities, especially in a post-COVID world. But it is our responsibility to protect our citizens first and foremost. Matt Kanealee Kleinfelder, thank you so much. Aloha. Mahalo, Sherry, and uh, mahalo for saying my name so well. And to you, the listeners, thank you so much for being with us on Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Until next time, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Super. Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.